0: Welcome into the Solar Insights podcast. My name is Eric Starr. We got Adam Madas here from Denver Stiffs and Locked On Nuggets. How you doing, Adam?
1: I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me on.
0: Awesome. Glad to get you on here. Haven't done I really had a Nuggets person ever, so I love adding new uh, perspectives to <laughs> watching basketball and talking about these players. So first, I wanted to kind of discuss. We'll get to some the breaking news that kind of happened this morning. Um, and we'll, as a jumping off point, but I did want to first talk about this uh, Nuggets season. What has it been like from your perspective?
1: It's been a fun season, one of the most fun in recent memory, certainly over the last, I would say, eight years or so. Um, the team is slowly been build, building towards this season. Um, Gary Harris was acquired in 2014. And then players have been added piece by piece since then. And this feels like the first year it's all come together. And, um, you know, a lot of times in the NBA for NBA fans, when you're watching a young team, you get excited about the prospects, but you don't really know what they can do. Or if they're really ever going to turn a corner. Well, this was the first year, I think that all of those players sort of did turn the corner and, um, and they're, they're becoming the team. I think Nuggets fans really hope they would. And so it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, it's not like the Nuggets exactly had the best luck or that they even, I mean, maybe, I guess you could say they drafted well, but uh, see how close I am on these guessing. Uh, was Jokic like 41 overall?
1: He was the 41st pick, 2014.
0: Um, And then Murray was?
1: Uh, he was seventh. Was he was seventh. Okay, that's, yeah. that's
0: pretty good. And then Harris was a 13, right?
1: Nineteenth, actually, and he was he was traded on. This was one of the all time great draft day trades. He Doug D- Denver Nuggets drafted Doug McDermott and traded him for Gary Harrison, Yusef Nurkic. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs>
0: they, they flipped Nurkic to to Portland for what again? I forget.
1: Uh, Mason Plumley.
0: Oh um, eh, man, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, he's a backup center. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember the Suns had the other Plumley in Miles for a while.
1: Right, right. right
0: back right. when he was still good.
1: Every team, every team's had a Plumley at some point.
0: Yeah, every team's got to have a, <laughs> either Plumley or who's the other set of brothers and twi- Zeller? Zeller. Everybody's had a Plumley <laughs> or a Zeller all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. They kind of had. I mean, Jokic at forty-one is just incredible. But the funny thing is, the sun. So I was thinking about this when. So the Suns have played the Nuggets three times this year already. Right at the beginning when Will Barton got hurt, um, and then they played them two weeks ago, and then they played them the day, the day before yesterday, basically. And it's, it was a really weird time because the, you guys destroyed us the first time with Jokic having the most incredible shooting night I've ever seen, a 30-point triple-double without missing a single <laughs> shot. I was That's like, right. hey, okay, sure. Uh, I'm sure we could beat them without that Whether that happens. And then two weeks ago, we beat you guys without Devin Booker, which was kind of incredible. <laughs> yeah, And then last night and then the other couple nights ago, we had no centers or anything really to do. I mean, no agent, no Holmes. Warren got hurt. Melton got hurt during the game. I think by the end of the fourth quarter, we had only Booker playing. That was even remotely an NBA player,
1: and it, it led to a, a players-only meeting, no less. <laughs>
0: so... <laughs> Love, yeah, that was super fun. But the one thing I would say about this, from an outside perspective to you guys, is that I mean, this Suns team, regardless of how bad they appear, they finally, for the first time, like you said, in eight years, like they haven't had chemistry problems. <laughs> So it's kind of nice, actually. Um, they actually, I actually like all the players, and I think they like each other.
1: <laughs> let me give you, let me provide you this anecdote because they were—you just mentioned—they were just in town over the weekend, and <laughs> I know the players-only meeting thing got a little bit of, of traction amongst, you know, Suns fans. This was my read on it from being there. Um, it, it seemed to me, like, reading again, this is speculation. I don't want to be reporting this. This is kind of just the vibe I got from it. I think that this was a Devin Booker orchestrated uh, players-only meeting and that it ended with uh, polite eye rolls. So n- not like frustration or anything, but it seemed to me like just trying to interview everybody, Devin Booker wanted to have a chat. Everybody kind of allowed it, and nobody was really no, – no takeaways, but also nobody really frustrated by it. It was just like, all right, what was that? Whatever. So that's my read on it. Yeah,
0: so it, I mean, it's, it's like like people are saying from our from our side here, it's it's not like even a player's meeting is going to change anything. They don't have a point guard.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, with, yeah. With the Suns are starting three rookies, yeah. three of them, and young rookies, and it's just not fair to even really assess what this team is. Yeah, I mean, and people, I don't know. I'm curious what you think about. I, I want to get back to the Nuggets too, but like. What do you guys? What does someone outside think about Devin Booker? Because he's one of three people averaging the numbers that he's averaging. Yeah. Three of them. The others, LeBron and Harden.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know my takes on Devin Booker. These are really shouldn't there shouldn't be a ton of stock into him because I don't cover him. You know all that closely. It's just when he's in town and and sort of the things that make the headlines. And my read on him, I've always thought that he's a really really good player, but I think his role is is probably more of a third option. I don't know that he's your one one or your two best player but he can be an elite hyper elite third third best player and and part of that you know i i don't feel so confident about that take because we just haven't seen him on a good team so it's hard to to say well what does he look like if you give him a a number two option or or you give him a number one option what does he look like it's hard to know because they just don't have that but um you know, great shooter, great scorer, great pick-and-roll player, um, and, and all of those things, I think, can have a lot of value. But with as loaded as the NBA is right now, this shouldn't be a knock on a, a player when I say he's a third guy. The NBA is just so loaded that it takes three great players to have a, a good team in today's NBA, and um, for him, I think he would probably be the third one on a team I was trying to construct.
0: Yeah, so in relation to that, what is, what is
1: Murray, then, if,
0: if Booker's that?
1: A third or a fourth best player. I mean, it, it, it in the same ballpark, maybe even a little bit below. The, the difference. Murray is a little bit more of a ball in his hand, like, I, I in my from my perspective, ball in his hand playmaker. But he's a worse shooter and a worse scorer. Um, so uh, to to me, it's the same thing. I think you look at Jokic as probably being your team's number one, maybe some crazy trade or some crazy free agent signing makes him the number 2 like a Kevin Durant or a Giannis or an Anthony Davis or something like that but you know one there's another player that's two and then I think Jamal Murray's probably your th- your third guy um maybe even your fourth guy but but again that's not a knock on Jamal Murray I think 10 years ago you would say Jamal Murray could be your your 1 2 but the league we're talking about a Golden State Warriors team where Draymond green demarcus cousins and clay thompson are all the third you know third fourth and fifth best guy like it's not it's no longer a knock to say people always said this to me is well you can't win a championship if Jokic is your best guy like that's some kind of insult kevin durant couldn't win when he was the best guy (laughs) with russell westbrook you know i mean the to win a championship it takes an incredibly balanced and talented team and uh especially in today's nba
0: which is why, like, when the Suns don't have Warren, it's like one of their actual NBA guys isn't playing and makes it so much harder to win, regardless <laughs> right. of how good he is or not isn't. Right. But, I mean, like, like, like Melton and Akova are the, are the starting are the starting and backup point guards. They're both yeah. rookies. <laughs>
1: they yeah. have
0: glory problems, and they're going to get better at them. But just, just the same thing, I mean, Booker's 22, the fifth fastest person to be 5,000 points. Only and he he missed beating uh, I think Howard by a week because he was injured, and then he go to beat Carmelo if he had tried a little bit just a little, not got injured a little bit more and it's pretty incredible for sure.
1: I'm I'm a big believer in the enjoying every step of a process in the NBA because you know people talk about the lack of parity in the NBA and it, it you know realistically six or seven teams at most have a shot at a title in any given any given year. Any given year. But I think that for the diehard basketball fans, they don't just enjoy the championship years. They enjoy, one of my favorite years in recent history was 2016 because that was the Jokic breakout year. And they had no chance at the playoff, or they had a slim chance at the playoffs, no chance at a title. Um, but every game was so much fun because it was just, you know, the expectations and the goalposts were somewhere different. And I think with Phoenix, the goalposts are clearly somewhere different, but there's a joy in watching some of those young guys have big nights and, and kind of grow into their own.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I started basically covering the Suns right after they lost Nash and everything.
1: Yeah. Right after
0: it. Good timing. Good timing. <laughs> Good timing. I lo- loved it. It's like that 48-win season where they should have actually made the playoffs, um, but they didn't with just a ragtag group of players. That was a fun year. Yeah. I'm enjoying all the years because I'm like a – I don't know if you know, I'm a development coach for people. I've got a, right. a, a client in high school, so I'm like watching the players and developing. I mean, I like Josh Jackson being able to actually – figure out his shot selection become a much yeah. better player and play make. And I mean, for me, like anytime Devin Booker goes off, it's super fun. Like the 70 point game being like the sixth highest and sixth highest scoring person of all time in a game. is kind of, it's really fun, even though whatever that game was, whatever, but that's pretty fun. And then him having just such good an assist numbers this year and a little bit better defense. So it's just really interesting. So I'm curious at it's, the Suns seem just a step behind the Nuggets in terms of development because it's the same kind of thing. Okay, you got your players now. Now you need to start filling them around. How do you see that happening or do you think that's not even a valid idea?
1: Which, which one is that?
0: Um, that the Suns are just behind the Nuggets a couple years in terms of development mm. and getting the same place.
1: I think the talent is there. I'm, I still like Josh Jackson a lot, and I know you look at some of the advanced numbers and RPM stuff. He always comes in really, really poorly, but the, just the skill set, the raw skill set, I think there's still like a, a blank canvas there to to grow into something. I'm um, not been the highest on DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton. I think he has an incredible skill set, but his defense, he plays defense. His defense is what people thought Jokic's was. Which is kind of frustrating. I think it's. I think I really do think people just look at the body and say, okay, athletic guy, good defender, ups- good upside defensively. Um, you know, so I'm a little bit lower on some of their assets. Booker, I mentioned. Um, you know, I questioned some of his attitude, leadership um, stuff. Don't don't question his talent because his talent is incredible. Um, so I'm a little bit lower on them. So I would say maybe not. But here's the thing: they have a draft pick this year too, <laughs> and and there's another player coming in, and that might be the thing that um player development is so tough and projecting these guys to reach you know where along the spectrum of ceiling and floor where they're where they're going to actually wind up but when you factor in you know getting another top pick this year um i would say they're going to be loaded with talent um and on track to be a team like denver that that puts it all together and slowly grows through each process but um but that's more about what their upside is I think their upside is a team that that could become one of the greats
0: yeah they have some some things I I would definitely think that Devin Booker is at least a two best second best player I'm not sure he's necessarily the best player I've gone back and forth on that with people
1: Damn. um
0: but I think he's definitely a two instead of a three but I do think that they need more bounce talent I mean I think I've seen the numbers on the broadcast and stuff they're by far the highest number of points uh uh, impact by youngest players i mean one veteran it's jamal crawford (laughs) he is becoming a negative on the court (laughs) and it's i mean it's kind of i think uh, if i think correctly the next oldest player is warren at 25 maybe i'm trying to 26 i mean that's just guessing but my goodness like almost all their players are rookies or un, I mean, they're still bringing in people. Emmanuel Terry just played for the first time yesterday. Against-
1: yeah. Former Nuggets summer league standout. Really excited for him. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he played okay. But like the, the fact that that has to happen or that Bender has his head to start for three games. <laughs> like I am I was such, I'm like the only guy there's like five of us left on Bender Island. And I know he's not, you're, you're still be there, there. huh? I, mean, I know it's not going to be whatever, but <laughs> I, I, he's awesome. I just like him as a yeah. person and kind of yeah. plays, but yeah, um, I'd, I'd love for him to stick for a, little, a couple more years just for fun. but
1: um, He could end up – what you hope for him now, you, you, for Bender, there are certain guys that are just terrible until they get that first extension and then they're really good. So so you hope you get that really cheap three-year extension from him and then all of a sudden he turns a corner and you have this great asset.
0: Yeah, and he, he – but the thing is these last three games, though, like I know he was whatever before, but like he became night and day in terms of uh, uh, the ability to drive the hole and become decisive in his decision-making, which is, like, the thing that was holding him back. I mean, he had a double-double in almost all the games, but he's – and he's good defensively in terms of moving, but he just needs to get bigger and stronger. And-
1: he he could average a triple-double from now until the end of the season, and I still don't think he'd get a big extension. So, but that But that's a good – you know, like I said, that could be a good thing. Will Barton was this way more for opportunity than anything else, but – Denver got him. He looked great for about two months. They signed him to a really cheap deal, and it turned out those two months were more indicative than the previous three years, so it happens sometimes.
0: I mean, Will Barton is like one of the – I think someone – either you or on Twitter, who is the most random people to have a 50-point game? Will Barnes is number two.
1: <laughs> oh, he doesn't have a 50-point game. No, it's not? No, 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 no. He doesn't have one. I wish. He's capable of it. He would be like the type of player that could be on that list because when he gets hot, he's really hot. Yeah, but he yeah, has I mean, not had maybe it's
0: it because he was on the on the way during one of the games and so on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, so actually, so the breaking news this morning was that Anthony Davis, through Rich Paul, his uh, agent, uh, who's also LeBron's agent, and like three other people, because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if if LeBron's your 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 um client, who else do you need? Right, uh, right. right. That a, Anthony Davis is on the trading block in a sense; he's not going to sign the supermax with the New Orleans. So it's time for them to. If I, the finally, it, it was imminent, but now it finally came to fruition, and uh, Anthony Davis is on the, in the on the block. So uh, it sounds like from testing the waters that the, you guys, the Nuggets, might be. You think that they'd be interested in acquiring Davis? Um, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I think every team in the NBA is interested in acquiring <laughs> Anthony Davis. He's I mean, (laughs) so I don't think Denver is uniquely interested in him. Um, What Denver is, is they have a war chest of young players that rivals anybody in the NBA. I don't think, um, because they are not willing to part ways with Nikola Jokic, take him, he's the one player that's just like, you don't even start a conversation. I don't think it makes, it would even make a point. I think he's close enough to Anthony Davis and Impact that you wouldn't, you know, you don't make a swap like that. Um, So you take him off. The, they don't have the one player like I think Philly has Ben Simmons they maybe would part ways with um, Boston has Jason Tatum who I think is a little just a little bit above anything Denver has as, as far as top talent but when you talk about the number of of players if you're New Orleans and you just you you don't want to start with just any one guy but maybe two or three young guys that you can build around I think Denver is is right up there with with your Boston's and certainly ahead of your LAs and teams like that so um they've got jamal murray they have michael porter jr who i know the surgeries are there but you know he's starting to do on-camera workouts and things like this and you see the upside from the athleticism is back and at least there's whereas before i thought the odds of him ever being an nba player were so minuscule now i say well no there's a chance there um they've got will barton and gary harris malik beasley who's shooting 43 percent from the three-point line this year um, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Monte Morris, who's second in the league in assist to turnover ratio and shooting 42% from the three point line. So they just have a war chest. And then of course their own draft picks. Um, so they have a war chest of assets that if you were trying to do some sort of four for one or five for one deal, Denver's is going to be ahead of teams like LA and probably on par with teams like Boston.
0: Yeah, definitely. Boston seems like the uh, leader in the clubhouse as it were. Um, yeah. Because it's been rumored for so long, is part of the reason. And but the but the problem really, I like, think people mentioned is that um, you can only have one player on a supermax deal, and Kyrie has to come off the books, so they can't right. trade for him yet.
1: I don't think I, it would not make any sense to me if New Orleans made a deal at the trade deadline. To, it, they have so many more options this summer on July 1st that to me, almost certainly he will be traded this summer and almost certainly he would not be traded before this summer.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was telling you before the podcast, I was thinking there may be a three-way trade idea um, presented here um, in the Suns Nuggets New Orleans. We're just workshopping it right now. So that would be means that the uh, Nuggets get Anthony Davis, the Suns get Drew Holiday. And what do we give to the Hornets to the
1: <laughs> Pelicans, the Pelicans. I remember when
0: they were the Hornets.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Um, what do you think the Nuggets are giving back?
1: Um, You know, it's tough. I think um, what Denver would want to do is to hold on to Jamal Murray. I think that's the one guy they would try not to give up, but it's probably the one guy New Orleans would insist upon. So um, I think they would probably have to give him up. I think Malik Beasley is another player that – if I'm a GM of another team, I look at him and think that's a guy that just needed an opportunity. He's shooting 43 percent from the three point line. He's got a 40 plus inch vertical. Um, He's just he's he's a really good prospect for a a modern day wing, but he's stuck behind Gary Harris. So maybe he's even better than what um, he's shown. Juancho Hernan Gomez is another player that you know he kind of just becomes a throw-in at that point, point. and then Michael Porter Jr., who's still again a, a major risk, but he's a major upside. If you hit on Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, that's that's actually equal value for for Anthony Davis. It's just a matter of will Michael Porter Jr.'s back hold up for for an NBA career?
0: Yeah, that's for sure. So the Suns, but the Suns would be giving New Orleans would be a lot less for Drew Holiday than you guys would right. for the Davis. Um, but if you're already if you say you're say you're throwing in Jamal Murray, Hernan Gomez, and maybe Monte Morris, I think maybe
1: be- Malik Beasley and Michael Porter Jr.
0: Okay, that's yours. Okay, in that sense, um, Suns may be giving their first. Hopefully, it's not um, Zion. That would be great. <laughs> uh, and then you give uh, you're probably you definitely giving Warren. Mm, bender the first is that enough i'm not sure
1: that's for drew holiday i think that's probably enough okay yeah cause F- drew holiday a really good player but for them there's in a situation like this there's probably just incentive to reset the deck so yeah so, so yeah. yeah
0: so if you do that i mean warren's a good player but like he's like have you seen like he's literally improved his three point percentage by like 15 percent which is incredible <laughs>
1: Which I don't trust. Whenever, 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 whenever well, whenever you see a, an outlier season like that, I want to see another one before I w- will buy into it. We just it's,
0: it's the the form though is like just so much better. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, forty two, forty almost forty three percent. T J Warren's my guy, by the way. Uh, I'm an N C State guy, so uh, so so yeah. I have I have like a little extra skin in the game for him, so. Uh, you don't have to talk me into him.
0: Yeah, there's also a couple of ga- a, a couple of weeks there, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, where somehow all the Suns were getting like uh, just taking the ball out of people's hands on the defensive end, <laughs> like Warren would just like turn around and the, the guy would be in the post just like, "Thank you, that's mine." We're going on a fast break now, <laughs> and it was pretty great. Yeah. They, I mean, they had 18 steals in one game. That was amazing. Nice. nice, nice. They they were just killing it. O- Ubre is a perfect addition to them. They got to resign him on, as restricted free agent. Um, So, yeah, I think that that would be a decent thing. And the weird thing is, yes, we know Drew Holiday is a a good player, but, like, not a great player. But the impact of adding him would make the Suns so much better.
1: (laughs) I think if you do that trade, that pick definitely becomes the number one pick. So um, just be prepared for that.
0: It it definitely becomes
1: Zion Williamson. If you you trade that away, it definitely – if you trade the number one – your first-round pick, it definitely becomes Zion Williamson. You just have to – you have to know that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, you know, if you trade that away, it's definitely because – and if you keep yeah. it, it's definitely not because –
1: Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like the eighth pick somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah the, the, weird lot, the new lottery odds where it's the top three are yeah. interesting for sure. Uh, um, and the fact that, like, there's like one good player in this draft and, like, another bunch of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> love it. For, for sure. I also love how people are like, like – so I was on the Luka Doncic train the whole time until the draft. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, so then then they get a and I'm like, ah, fine, he's, I mean, he's going to be good. Yeah. And he already, I mean, he already is averaging, doing things that only Shaq has done in the last 25 years. Uh, um, but still, I was like, Doncic is pretty good, but I love how they're like, oh, yeah, Doncic has, has already won the rookie year.
1: Yeah. You, do you disagree with that?
0: I think, I think that the numbers are close enough.
1: Oh, Eric. I don't think he's gonna win it. I don't think he's gonna win it. But
0: the fact that people are saying it's it's open door closed when Doncic is it's the ball, like his usage rate has gotta be like triple Agent's usage rate. Yeah. It just makes, it's just annoying because it's flashing this overproduction and they're like Doncic a averaging three more points. Three.
1: You know, I er Eric, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to strong disagree with you here. There's just there's no there's just no comparison for me. Not, but, not even, close. But,
0: we, but even when I was in the pre-draft, I knew that Doncic was going to be better right away for sure. I mean, I was so sure of that. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not as. I'm, I mean, I <laughs> love Doncic so much. I was. I wrote a whole article on him. Talked to a guy from Israel that uh, uh, was was scouting him the whole time and knew him for for years. And he was, just, he was just such a good player. So definitely, I'm not anti-Doncic by any stretch of the imagination. I just the uh, the media with the the flashiness is kind of bugging me. But hmm. it's not in terms of actual talent because he is so talented do you what do you think about Dunchit's long term
1: uh i think it'll be great i mean i think he i think athlete. i've always thought this and this is kind of a convenient take obviously here in denver but i've just always thought that the athleticism part of the game uh has always been overstated and is especially overstated in today's game where everything is so spread out and the cerebral part of it has been underrated and you have a guy who i think his athleticism can improve you just look at his body and it, doncic he he has <laughs> i don't know if he'll get there i've heard stories about him you know maybe not buying into that aspect of the game and and at some point maybe he will but i think he can improve his quickness and everything else but the feel he has for the game is off the chart. so i take those guys 10 times out of 10
0: yeah i definitely agree that i'd rather have a smart player than an athletic player
1: yeah. although
0: there at some point you have to have like some athleticism like i forget you just you have to have some of it. Just
1: Jokic is breaking this. I, I gotta say because he is legitimately the least athletic player I've ever watched in my in my life, and he goes up against a lot of a lot of times. People will be like, okay, he's gonna really struggle with so and so speed here or whatever. And it just it just never seems to to matter.
0: Yeah, he just like he was open up shots. I'm like, how are you even shooting that shot? Is that, it's not like even <laughs> a real shot. He yeah. just makes it and dunks it, and you're like his passes, I mean, that that hilarious gif of him saying, the passes, go where I want them to go. I'm like...
1: Yeah. <laughs> he moves his arms differently than any... I have a, a buddy who uses the best metaphor. He says his ar- he uses his arms more like an octopus uses his, his tentacles. Like, it's not... Everybody has this certain way of throwing and shooting and moving and grabbing rebounds and everything else. And he kind of does things different. It's just, his arms are kind of constantly flailing. And, and like, even his shots... They just look very like his arms are made of rubber and it, it's – I don't know. It's – it's a I always tell people – I always ask people, is he smooth or is he not – is he the smoothest guy in the NBA or is he the least smooth guy? And both answers make sense. yeah he, he, He's somehow clumsy and smooth at the same time.
0: Pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So
0: what do you think about the Nuggets and their chances playoff-wise against some teams um, and kind of how they're uh, – play is going to translate to to that scenario, to that uh, environment.
1: Uh, I think as presently constructed, there's a couple teams that I think they will look really bad against. Uh, The Houston Rockets are the number one team on that list. I think if they go up against them, um, a lot of people are going to have a lot of takes about the Nuggets following a series like that because they haven't beaten Houston in three years. And um, they run that spread pick and roll. They're, They're weak on the wing defensively. They don't have anybody that can guard big, like, wing players and James Harden, even though he's not tall, he's just he's just too strong for a Will Barton or a Torrey Craig. So, um, yeah. So, so I think they're Houston would make them look bad, and then you know when they're teams that are able to spread out five shooters or four shooters, you know that's where Denver has really struggled. So, Houston's the team I think they would just lose in a sweep. Maybe they would get one, but I, it, I think a lot of people would come away with a lot of hot takes when in reality. It would be more like a Portland-New Orleans situation last year where Portland was better than they showed in the playoffs. They just went up against the one team that matched up with them so perfectly that that they looked bad. Um, the Lakers, similar, because <laughs> nobody can stop LeBron James, but Will Barton especially can't. You know, you're talking about it's like a 60-pound difference there, so... Once again, they're kind of set up to exploit Denver's weaknesses, put Jokic in the pick and roll with Will Barton and, and now Denver screwed. So those are the two teams. Every other team, the Clippers, Utah, San Antonio, Portland, Oklahoma City. I feel like Denver has either a great chance and would be overwhelming favorites, like I do if they played against the Clippers or Utah. Um, or I think they would be strong favorites, like against, uh, Portland, San Antonio, and then against a team like Oklahoma City. I would be surprised how a series like Denver versus Oklahoma City would get handicapped in Vegas because at my hunch is that the betting public would be overwhelming on Oklahoma City, but I think there would be some funny lines that you know some of the, some of the sharps come in and, and, and you see some kind of interesting lines that think, why is Oklahoma City only favored by two at home in game one yeah, uh, so.
0: So, I could see them definitely doing well, even though OKC has been just so well so good defensively, and Paul George, one of my favorite players
1: is just doing so well. Denver's 2 and 0 against them on the season and you know I know Oklahoma City's missing Robertson too but Denver went into Oklahoma City shorthanded three starters and beat them. So I, for whatever reason Denver and I think actually I think I have a theory on on this reason. One, Denver scores on anybody. I don't think it matters if you're a good defense or not. In a weird way, kind of like how Golden State is, they just Their offense hums the same whether you're you're good or bad, and then especially teams that try to get into you and pressure you—that's a recipe for Jokic because he's just so good at using your aggressiveness against you. I mean, that's kind of his skill. So a team like Oklahoma City that, oh, we're getting scored on. Let's turn up the intensity. That actually plays into Denver's hands.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that would be good. And it sounds like you didn't mention the Warriors. I don't believe. And like,
1: (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, Denver. I will say this: Denver, I think matches up. Better than most teams with Golden State because Jokic has been able to um, exploit their small ball lineups. And now with DeMarcus Cousins, who knows? But, you know, Draymond, Draymond Green guards a lot of bigs really, really well, but Jokic just absolutely dominates them. So they do match up well, but we saw that when Golden State tries, they beat Denver by 30 points, so it doesn't matter.
0: I think I think the other person who be, could be Draymond was Embiid, right? If I remember, like, Draymond can pretty much beat anybody but those two guys.
1: Yeah, if you know what you're doing, if you're like patient in the post and actually have good footwork, he yeah, his little tricks just no longer work against you. And then offensive rebounding wise, the interesting thing, Denver was out-rebounded by like 15 rebounds in the game just a couple of weeks ago where Golden State laid 51 on them. And that that's the thing that I never thought would happen, and I think that was more had to do with Golden State shot like 70% from three that game. <laughs> so there just wasn't a lot of rebounds for Denver to grab. Um, but that, that's the one thing that – that's why I think that game maybe was even – even relative to what Golden State's capable was a little bit of an outlier because Denver will win the rebound battle nine times out of ten.
0: Yeah, when Aiden's not there, the Suns will not re- win the rebounding battle, and they will lose the game <laughs> because they can't rebound. Yeah. I love it um so yeah so i think that they'll do pretty well i, I agree with you that they'll do better than people think because um, like this the Nuggets are going to be that potentially do you think they're going to be the number one seed do you think golden state's going to try for it or no uh
1: i do not think they're going to try for it and i think they will be the number one seed
0: <laughs> golden State's not going to try but they're going to get it okay that's a wonderful love love
1: what realistically, though, what what grade of effort does Golden State have to give to be the number one seed? I, I would say C+. Plus. If they give a C-plus effort or above, they're going to be the number one seed.
0: Yeah, I guess they're already pretty close. They don't have – and then they're getting people back from – they were getting people back from injury. Yeah, I guess with that many All-Stars, you don't need to try that hard.
1: Their, their offensive rating over their last 10 games, I just looked this up the other day. I'll, I'll pull it up again as I'm talking, but their offensive rebounding, or I'm sorry, their offensive rating over the last 10 games is 125. <laughs> <laughs> That's 10 games. They're, ten. They're of course, 10-0. and 0. Their net rating is plus 15.5, but 125 offensive rating for that long, I, I mean, I mean. It, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, I come, on.
0: come on. Wow, yeah. Yeah, pretty much no one's going to beat them. I would love to watch, I mean, As a Suns fan, who are the two teams that the Suns do not enjoy watching is the Lakers and the Spurs. I would love to watch the Warriors destroy the Lakers. That would be so fun.
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: it would be fun. So so you think you could beat Utah, Clippers, um, OKC...
1: Yeah, and I want to make it clear they can lose to all of these teams too, with the exception of the Clippers. Maybe the Clippers can, you know, maybe they can get them, but I think all these other teams are close enough that it's going to be a dogfight. It'll come down to coaching and adjustments and health and all that stuff. But if I'm a Nuggets fan, I look at all of those teams and I just think, nah, I'm not scared of them. The Denver, Denver can, Denver has at least, in my opinion, forty percent odds against all of those other teams.
0: Yeah. Do you think? What do you think about this? I was thinking about all the teams. There's so many teams. That are vying in the Western Conference, except for the Suns, which is just so fun. I love that, that all the graphics <laughs> that leave the Suns off as if they didn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's just super. I just love that. It gets. So <laughs> um, but what do you think about Memphis is now pretty much on that list? Because, yeah. Uh, so what do you think about would do you think the Nuggets would be interested in in uh, Conley or Gasol?
1: Um, no. Uh, both of those guys really good, but Gasol too much like Jokic and and obviously. I, in my opinion, not as good and also just longer in the tooth, so doesn't make sense there. Mike Conley, I think, would be a near-perfect fit next to Jokic at the point guard spot because he defends the pick-and-roll so well from the guard position, which I think is, is really key, and then knocks down his open shots, gets the ball. Here's something I always tell people about Jokic. His point guards throughout his career have been Emmanuel Moutier, who might be the worst point guard in all of the NBA. Um, they have... Uh, I'm telling you, I, I, there is not – I don't know if there is a single rookie I would I would not take if it was between him and, and Jokic. Tobo
0: and Melton are better or will be better than him for sure.
1: Yeah. Moody was really – I mean he was an active negative. It wasn't that he just wasn't a positive. He was an actively turning the ball over, missing shots at the rim and falling down. And it yeah, I was, remember
0: it. I was against him. Anybody – the Suns drafting him when he came out for sure.
1: Yeah. He's an active negative. So he's had him. He had Randy Foy run point for a while, who's not a point guard but was forced to do that. He has had Jamal Murray, who's now a third-year player and getting better. But Jamal Murray, first of all, a combo guard, you know, not a true point guard, but a combo guard, and also a 19-year-old point guard, also really, really bad. And then he had Jameer Nelson, and the year he had Jameer Nelson, he shot 60% from the floor, and a lot of that that was out out of the pick and roll. So part of me looks at this and says, you know. Mike Conley, good player, but how would he look? How would Jokic look when he has a player that's actually knows, is, is, is elite at delivering the ball in the pick-and-roll? I think Jokic would be back up to shooting 60% again.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the Suns are, would probably be interested in Conley as well um, because of needing a point guard just to, to stabilize and assess everything else. But he is 31. But yep. i was reading on my last podcast, Kemba Walker in a trade or uh, or uh, in frequency or – Connelly and it's like Kemba's three years younger, but also not as good defense and smaller.
1: Yeah, Kemba's more fun, man. Kemba and Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, let's do that. It's just, I don't, it's not better, but it's way more fun for me. Okay. So it's fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yep, because like man, I was watching the Likers game last night. Devin Booker was not; he was double teamed on every single possession. <laughs> yeah, like like we're talking Zubats would come up almost a half court to trap him. The yeah. And Booker still had 30, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, 21. Okay, anyway, so that's pretty interesting stuff there. Um, Any other final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No, I don't think so. I think the next, like, two, three weeks before the All-Star break, the the Western Conference, I think a lot of things will kind of shake out. There's still a lot of teams congested if you look at three through eight. Den- <laughs> What's funny is Denver separated themselves now. You look at the standings, 14 losses for the Warriors, 15 for the Nuggets, then 18 for the Thunder, then 20 for the Blazers. So Denver has a five-game lead on the four seed right now, which is you know a nice, really, really, really nice cushion. But I think over the next couple of weeks – there's more separation in that middle part of it, and and that's kind of what I'm excited to find out.
0: I mean, I think Dallas, Pelicans, and Memphis are all going to drop out of the playoff race. It seems like everybody else is going to be jumbled in there.
1: So somebody did this with the Lakers, and and this is where are you at on the Lakers making the playoffs? Because I think for the first time, I am finally at fifty fifty. Um, the the Clippers are struggling. They're four and six in their last ten. So so maybe they just fall out and hand it to the Lakers. But somebody posted the dra- graphic the other day to reach forty five wins, which I think is a good, you know, what it's going to take. Denver had to, or the Lakers have to go nineteen and thirteen the rest of the way, and that's that's kind of a really good record considering LeBron's not even back yet.
0: Yeah, the yeah, I was always the whole the whole time I was like, everybody was trying to come on my podcast and say. I, the Lakers would make the playoffs because I'm not betting against LeBron, and I kind of ended up being there. But I'm, yeah. like, I'm so down on their whole core except for him. I don't know.
1: And I'm down on LeBron's core, as in his core body, because it's broken. It. that's a good one. <laughs>
0: uh, so, yeah, because this is the longest I mean, injury he's had, which is really impressive in and of itself. But if he doesn't – I mean, yeah, if he doesn't come back, if he doesn't come back literally like – in three days or something, then they're not going to make the playoffs
1: probably. And and not just that, but what if he comes back? But it's just a nagging thing, and that and that's the thing. Like hamstrings, core strains, all these things are. There's no oh, LeBron comes back and he's dropping forty-point triple doubles again. It, it might be a thing where he's ninety percent of who he was, and like we said, nineteen and thirteen is a really good record when you consider how loaded the Western Conference is.
0: Yeah, playing all those Western Conference teams. I mean, I think from what I've heard, Utah is just the cushiest schedule ever. So
1: they're in I, I I think all the other teams are in the only team I think I that could fall out is the Clippers
0: so yeah so are you agree with me that Dallas Memphis and uh, Pelicans are all out probably so
1: Mem- Memphis is now eight games back of the eight seed so, so they would have whoa, to, they're they, out. They, yeah, yeah they'd, they'd have, have to go, to go like, like 26, 26 and seven the rest of the wow, way or something seven, I mean that's eight, not seven gonna seven happen.
0: happen and then Dallas and um, New Orleans
1: yeah I mean again five games below 500 for both of those teams so yeah it's just I, I think these things sneak up on you, right? Like you don't, you you kind of look at them in the standings, and you're like, oh, they're only so and so many games back. But then when you count the losses, you're like, oh man, no, they got to make up seven games and in in thirty. That's that's actually quite a lot. The math is tough.
0: Yeah, the math is tough for sure. I mean, that's the same. Yeah, exactly. So it's it'd be crazy that I will never get over having forty eight wins though and not getting the playoffs, so I'll never get over.
1: Yeah. Den- yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the year I think Denver made the playoffs with fifty wins as an eight seed. So I I, rem- I think it was between Denver and Phoenix. So I vaguely remember.
0: What bugs me the most is that the beginning of that season, about like game five, the Suns played the Blazers and they didn't call a goaltender at the the end of the game. The Suns (laughs) should have had more wins. Like, I saw the the replay of the guy's finger coming through the basket and through the net Uh, uh, and and goaltending the shot and they're not calling it and they lost by one point. And I'm uh, like, they would have had 49 wins. (laughs) They were going to win. It was like the difference. Anyway. Um, why don't you plug what you got going on and we'll let you get out of here?
1: Uh, just locked on Nuggets. If you ever want to listen about the, the Denver Nuggets, I had a podcast with their president of basketball operations that I thought was real enlightening uh, last Friday. So you can check that out on iTunes. And then, of course, Denver Stiffs. We cover the Denver Nuggets, I think, unlike anybody else, both locally and nationally. So we have three credentialed reporters, 11 people on staff. Uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot going on over there.
0: Very good. Definitely check that out. And what's your Twitter again?
1: At Adam underscore mod is.
0: M-A-R-E-S. The so everybody knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm talking to people in Phoenix. They they have a little they – can, they can speak some Spanish.
0: They know. They know. Um, very good. Thank you. Um, so mine is at Eric underscore SAR, uh, E-R-I-C-S-A-A-R. Um, solarinsights.net uh, for the writing and po- the podcast is there as well as on Spotify, iTunes, etc. cetera. Uh, also check out my uh, player development site. Uh, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com if you're here in Phoenix, as well as for marketing, SlingshotMediaConsulting.com. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a great day, everybody.